This is my tribe. 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 What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. Hello. Um, so we're going to end out this series that we've been talking about on injustice and doing something. So if you've been here the last few weeks, we've been going through what God calls us to do when there's injustice happening around us. So let me start with a weird question. And if there were ever a time for you to talk, this would be the time for you to talk when I ask you a question. If I were to ask you, what is your favorite emoji, what would you say? Appropriate emoji. I see some of you smirking. It's okay. You can talk back. What is your favorite emoji? Or you just don't use emojis. What's your favorite emoji? (laughs) I don't know how to explain that one. She just went... Um, who else has a favorite emoji? Meh. Okay. Did you raise your hand? The poop emoji. There's a great debate on whether it's actually poop. I think it's poop. Anyone in the room think it's not poop? No? It's ice cream. (laughs) I assure you it's not ice cream. Yes. Rolling its eyes. I feel like I get that one sometimes. The sunglasses. Living for the sun rays and the beach. So I know most of us probably don't use emojis as much as our grandparents do. My grandma learned how to do emojis on her phone, um, and sometimes she just sends random things and doesn't understand that what she's sending doesn't make sense or it could be taken as inappropriate. I think you know the emojis that I'm talking about. So how do I know, or how do you know what your favorite emojis are? When you click on your um, keyboard and pull up the emojis, it shows you the emojis that you use most of the time. And as I was preparing for this message, I pulled mine up, and my favorite emoji popped up. For some of you, it's the sideways laughing emoji. They recently updated it where it's like the straight laughing emoji and then like the tilted laughing emoji. I prefer the tilted laughing emoji. Morgan always sends the straight laughing emoji. 
Anyone have a preference? Straight. <laughs> of course. Um, or maybe for you it's the green face, sick emoji. Or for some of the pros in the room, you can make an entire conversation just using emojis, like my grandma, except hers don't make sense. But for me, it's this emoji that's my favorite. This is my go-to emoji for just about anything. What do you want for dinner? That emoji, shrug. When I was in high school, it was, what was our math homework? I don't know, shrug. How do you get TikTok famous without spending thousands of dollars on lighting and cameras? I don't know, I'm not TikTok famous. I have like three followers and one of them's my mom. Um, Basically, when I don't know what to say, how to help, or what to do next, the shrug emo emoji is the answer. And honestly, when I was thinking about what we we're going to talk about tonight, I thought about the shrug emoji also. You see, for the past few weeks, we've been talking about injustice and how we all just wish somebody somewhere would do something. When I think of all the injustice in the world, or even just all the injustice we've been talking about here at Tribe Night, I feel like this emoji. What can I do? What can I say? What do I do? What do I not do? And what's the something that will actually make a difference when it comes to injustice? Just to make sure we're on the same page, let me define that word injustice. When you hear people talk about justice, it simply means something that is right, fair, or equal. Well, injustice is exactly the opposite of that. So when we talk about injustice, we're talking about things in our world that are unfair, unequal, or not right. People getting bullied at school, that's injustice. Victims of human trafficking, that's injustice. Families in poverty, that's injustice. Last year when schools go on, went online to deal with the pandemic, but they didn't adequately give students the resources or internet access that they needed to do their classes. Was that injustice? Women that aren't paid the same as men for doing the same job, injustice. People being treated differently because of their race or ethnicity, that's injustice. And of course the list can go on and on and on. When you think about it this way, chances are you can see plenty of areas of injustice in our world. If you're honest, that probably makes you think of something like, wow, that's a lot of terrible things happening in the world. Somebody should really do something about that. So far, we all agree. We all get that. There's a need for more somebodies to do something period. But I want you to pay attention to the next thing that I say because it's literally the point of this entire series. And it could be the phrase that passes right in one ear and out the other, or it could change the course of your life. You are somebody who could do something. You are somebody that could do something. Now, maybe you hear that phrase and you feel excited, challenged or even inspired. You're ready to jump in and to do the work 
put me in, coach, let's get started. If that's you, that's great. But keep listening, because I want you to see that the work isn't easy, and it's not a one-and-done battle. So many people, including some of you and some of our leaders, have spent years fighting, for, fighting against things like racism, our poverty, our gender, our for gender equality. You know this work isn't easy. So all of us who are ready to do something have to be ready for the long haul. Or maybe you're feeling like this, the shrug emoji, because you realize that it's emotionally, mentally, and even spiritually exhausting to deal with and fight against the long list of injustices happening in the world. When I was your age, I was obsessed with the news. Like when I was growing up, people would ask me what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I wanted to be a pastor. And if that didn't work, I always had a joke that I would be a country music superstar like Darius Rucker. Um, only because he was black and he was the only country music superstar that I knew. Um, or I thought it would always be fun to be a news anchor um, because they informed people on what was happening. And the news has changed so much, I think Tyler would agree with that, since I was in high school. Sometimes the news is not always telling us the right information, but one thing that is true is that there's so much injustice happening in the world. You see, as much as we're talking about and praying about injustice, the reality is that to you, it truly feels like one of those problems we just can't solve. Maybe you're thinking injustice has always happened and it's still happening, so is there really any hope of changing anything at all? Maybe you're wondering how you, just one person, can make a difference in some huge problems like racism or human trafficking, sexism, poverty, and more. Is it even possible for one person in high school or middle school to make a difference in any meaningful way? Or maybe you're so tired of talking about it and trying to explain to people who don't seem to care that you wonder if it's even worth trying anymore. Will people ever care as much as you do? Or maybe you've experienced this injustice for so long that you wonder if saying anything or doing anything is really going to make a difference. It hasn't so far, so why would it start changing things now? All of that, I totally get it. Because you're right, standing up and doing something about injustice isn't easy. It's overwhelming. It's something that feels like somebody bigger or stronger or older or more powerful or more experienced should be doing instead of you. It feels like something somebody needs to do something about, right? Well, remember, we all said that you are somebody. To get started, we're going to take a look at the words of a guy named James. What's interesting about James is that he was actually the brother of Jesus. Can you imagine growing up in the same family as Jesus? Of course, it's not, it must have not helped that Jesus was literally God in human form. For those of you like me that have siblings, you can probably feel for James. Now, my siblings weren't Jesus, but I could just imagine trying to meet the same standard as Jesus with your mom and dad 
I was always the good kid, so I would, you know. What's interesting is that after Jesus died and was raised back to life, James got more involved in the ministry of his brother and what it was all about. He went from being mostly absent from Jesus' ministry to being the guy that traveled the world telling others about his brother. What changed? Well, my guess is when your brother dies and comes back to life, it makes sense to believe that he is who he says he is. He believed that his brother Jesus was actually the son of God. This is one of the reasons we know that the resurrection actually happened. Jesus' own brother believed he died and came back to life. James went on to write a letter to a group of Christians who were facing severe injustice. And he challenged them by saying this in James chapter 2, verses 15 through 16. He says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? When you put it that way, it sounds pretty heartless. But you know what? If we're honest, I think that's what we're all tempted to do sometimes. When faced with the hugeness of a problem that we don't know how to solve, we often just settle for saying or posting something and doing nothing. It was a time last year where um, after all of the violence that was happening in America, um, there was someone that said, hey, on this day, let's all post a black picture on our Instagram accounts. Y'all remember that? Yes? No? You don't remember. You do remember. Well, last year, someone said, let's all post a black image, a black square on our Instagram account and basically get off social media as a way to bring light to the situation of injustice. It was all about posting something. In reality, most people posted a picture and changed nothing about themselves and did nothing to actually solve the problem. You see, when we see something unjust happening in our town, we think about how bad it is. We may even say so, but sometimes that's where our involvement ends. We just talk about how bad things are. When we see someone we know struggling to have their needs met, we might say things like, hey, we're praying for you. And we really do pray for them most of the time. But of course, we don't want to get in their business, so it stops there. We don't do much else besides pray for their issues. Or when we see racial injustice happening in our country, we might post about it on our social media feeds, but then we move on. So many of us don't do the harder work of learning about it, speaking up about it, or standing up to it when we see it happening. This, by the way, isn't just a teenager thing. It's a human thing. Every adult in this room feels the temptation to hold back when it comes to injustice, just like you do. And don't get me wrong here. Thinking about it is good. Praying is powerful. Posting is important. All of that is good, but if our doing something stops there, we have missed some of what it means to follow Jesus. You see, following somebody means you do the kind of thing they would do. And Jesus? Jesus was always doing something about injustice. 
Maybe you've heard about how he spoke up for the poor, cared for the sick, hung out with people who were outcasts, and confronted leaders who were treating people unfairly. Did Jesus offer his words? Absolutely. But he also offered his actions. He lived in a way that showed the world what it looks like to value people. And as his followers, we can do the same. Look at what James went on to say here in verse 17. In the same way, by, in the same way faith by itself, if it is not accomplished by action, accompanied by action, is dead. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. James was saying that our faith and our actions are connected. If we say we have faith, but it doesn't motivate us to do something, then something about our faith is broken. And here's why that's a big deal. Living a life of faith is about becoming more like Jesus every day. And even if you've missed every part of this series so far, here's the part I want you to always remember. When it comes to injustice, Jesus was always doing something. Always. And when we make that shift to allow our prayers and our words to turn into action, we are becoming more like the person we're praying to. We're becoming more like Jesus. The thing that makes you feel sad or angry that you know aren't right, the injustices that motivate you to act, those things that hurt you and the people you love, those things are wrong in the world that God wants to see made right. When it comes to injustice, never stop doing something. It may feel overwhelming like our little actions won't have any effect on such giant problems. But small changes are still that. They're changes. And they're changes in the right direction. Now, some of you get this because you've been doing something about injustice for a long time. You've been speaking up for people, showing up to help, posting, working. And because of that, here's what you know for sure. It's exhausting. Doing something means you have the same conversations over and over. It means you don't show up one time, check the box, and move up, move on. You show up time and time and time again. I remember growing up in high school, um, we did these outreach projects in our city all the time, and one of them was we would go and serve the homeless population that lived under the interstate overpass. And I remember the first time going to this homeless camp feeling extremely scared. Um, all I ever known was that homeless people are scary and they're probably going to try to stab you. I don't know why I thought that, but that's what I thought. So I showed up with my friends with these like food baskets and was blown away at how nice these homeless people were. They lived in tents under an overpass of the interstate and they built this basically little village and they all cared for each other. And we would go back month after month, once a month, all of us high schoolers would go and serve this population. And the second time I went, I was a little less scared than the first time I went. And the third time I went, I was actually brave enough to talk to a man and ask him about his story. His name was Roger. And you see, Roger 
was in the U.S. military. He got injured fighting for our country, and when he came home from war, he couldn't make a living and ultimately became homeless. There's a lot more in his story um, that we don't have time to unpack. But Roger was stuck in a system, in a cycle. Roger couldn't get a job because he needed an address. He didn't have an address because he couldn't afford to pay rent. So he settled for living under an overpass. Now, I'll be honest. I saw, like I said, I was obsessed with the news. I saw this um, news story where they did, I think it was Tyra Banks, did like an undercover, she pretended to be a homeless person thing. Um, it was kind of weird, actually. I think she dressed up as a man. You can probably find it on YouTube. Tyra Banks dresses as a man, homeless man. I think it's what you had to Google. Um, but what it showed was that the way that people interact with most homeless people is not very nice. And if you're anything like me, I'm naturally a skeptical person. Anyone else in the room just naturally skeptical, like you see a person holding a sign and you're kind of like, are you really homeless or are you just trying to steal my money? Just me? Okay, maybe I'm just a horrible person. Um, I am a horrible person. Thanks, Layton. No, oh, you think that too. Okay. Because the Tyra Banks thing scared, like, I watched it, and then, like, after that episode, there was an episode where it showed this woman that was pretending to be homeless, and she was in New York City, and she made, like, hundreds of dollars a day, and then would, like, take off her homeless, homeless clothes and go get her her BMW and drive to her penthouse. Like, that's how she made money. And ever since seeing that episode, I'm a little jaded, but what I know is true is that if we help those that are asking for help, whether they genuinely need it or not, God will bless us for it. And so Roger at that homeless camp taught me that it's worth showing up over and over and over again in the rain, in the summer, in the cold. He was there, so I might as well go and see how he was doing. So we started going to this homeless camp when I was a sophomore, and we would, like I said, we would go once a month. My junior year, we went, and Roger was like, you'll never guess what's going to happen. I won't guess, Roger. Tell me. Um, and Roger was like, I got an apartment, and this is my last month living under the bridge. And it was really cool to see this full circle thing happen before my eyes as a junior in high school. I met Roger two years earlier, and I was scared of homeless people. And he had become a really good friend in a weird kind of way. Um, Tivo and Roger, you know? Uh, and I was just so happy to see that he had put in the effort. And one of the things that he said to our group was that, you guys did more than what most Christians normally do. They would normally come and give us food and say, hey, we're praying for you. They might even go as far as to pray for us before they left, but you guys kept showing up. You guys not only kept showing up, you kept telling us we can do it, giving us resources, and encouraging us to go on. So it can be exhausting. For some of you who are active and doing something, you may feel like it's not working. You may feel like you're fighting a losing battle, that every little thing that you're doing just isn't working. You probably feel discouraged at times, wondering if this battle is even one that can be won. 
Well, if that's you, I want you to hear from somebody else who met Jesus, who hung out with him and his followers, including James, and who spoke to people facing huge injustice. It's the Apostle Apostle Paul, and here's what he says in Galatians chapter 6. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, if we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Don't get weary when you're doing good, Paul says. In other words, don't give up. Don't give in when the good work gets hard. Instead, keep going, keep working, and keep fighting. As I was thinking about injustice and fighting injustice, the thought came to me that it's kind of like planting a seed. Anyone in the room ever plant anything, a seed? I kill almost every plant that I bring into my house. Um, I remember, I think it was like second or third grade, or maybe kindergarten, uh, where you like make the little, you put the seed in the cup and then you watch it grow. Did anyone do that? You remember what grade we did that in? First grade. You're making that up? Okay. First grade. Third grade. Senior year. (laughs) But you plant the little seed, you water the seed, you give it just the right amount of sunlight and time to grow. You have to take care of it. Maybe you have to pull weeds from it. And then you keep doing that until something blooms. You won't see much at the beginning. You may even think that a plant won't ever sprout. But underground, a lot's happening. Eventually, the plant will pop up, and before long, it will be harvest time. See, the work you're doing, the injustice in the world that breaks your heart, they aren't new. And that means the battle against them isn't new either. There are people who have been fighting to right the wrongs in this world for decades and decades. And little by little, they've seen change. They've made progress. And I'm so grateful that they didn't give up. They didn't just stop. The same can be true for us. So when it comes to injustice, never stop doing something. It may feel impossible, but little by little, you can change the world. How? Like James said, do something. And like Paul said, keep doing something. So here are ways to keep doing something about injustice. Use your voice. Speak up. Say something in the moment. Say something on social media. Say something to a teacher or an adult that can help. Use your voice. You have to speak up and speak out for those who need it. And if it doesn't work, keep saying something until it does. Here's the second thing you can do. Use your influence. Maybe people listen to you because you're in, because they're in your friend group, or you're the popular kid at school. Use that influence you have to talk about injustice with them. Maybe your family has resources that could help other people. Ask how you can use those resources. Maybe your family has connections or there are connections or a lot of opportunities. Ask how you can use your opportunities to help someone else get more opportunities. Here's the third thing you can do. Use your talent. You don't have to give up on basketball or theater or Spanish class or whatever your hobby is. 
Use the talent God has given you to do something for others. Maybe use your art to do something about injustice you see in your school. Maybe use your influence on the team to speak up for or serve other people. Maybe you can use the ability you have at school to tutor kids who need help. If you aren't sure how to start or what you have to offer, ask God. Ask him to show you. Ask your tribe leaders in the room to help you with that. They can tell you not only what talents they see in you, but help you brainstorm ways you can put them to work for the sake of others. And here's the last thing. Use your life. Use your life. We're not talking about just one service project or signing up to volunteer a few times. While that's important, we're talking about your life. Injustice is everywhere, and part of following Jesus is making a commitment to do something and to keep doing something. It's making the lifelong commitment to be in the work. Of course, that means you may have to take care of yourself in the process. You may need to find some people who can encourage you, who can remind you that doing something is worth it, even when it doesn't feel like it. Maybe before, maybe before this, you've never thought about God as caring about injustice. For some of us, this idea has changed the way that we think about God altogether. Today, we're wrapping up this series. I want you to imagine, what if the church actually did this? Not just our church, but the church, the entire community of people who follow Jesus. What if we decided to actually do this? How might the people in your school, your towns, your neighborhoods see God differently if Christians were known for choosing to see people the way that God sees them and to treat them as he would treat them? It's fascinating to think about. It's one of the reasons that I love my job. I love seeing the possibilities and futures in you guys. Here's the crazy thing. That can happen, but it only will happen if we start doing something and don't stop. Let me pray for you. God, I just thank you for my friends. I thank you that this series has opened our eyes to what injustice is, but not only opening our eyes to what injustice is, but it's opened our eyes to ways that we can step in and be the hands and feet of Jesus. God, I pray that when it comes to injustice, that we never stop doing something. That we don't, <laughs> in the moment, throw up the shrug emoji and say, sorry, I can't do anything about it. It's exhausting. It's tiring. I pray that we just continue to tap into what you've given us, that we continue to see people the way that you see them, and that we continue to treat them the way that you would treat them, that we're willing to go the extra mile for them, that we see the possibilities in Christ in them, that we're willing to show up time and time again, we're willing to bring people with us to help, God, I just pray that 
through what we've learned that we would just slowly start to change our schools and our neighborhoods in the way that we see people. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray.